0: To the one year anniversary episode of I Saw What You Did. My name is Millie DeCherico. I'm Danielle Henderson. And we did it, folks. One year. One year anniversary. That's right. It's our one year anniversary. We can't believe (laughs) this is happening. (laughs) (laughs) 60 episodes. Who would have thought? 60 episodes. Who would have thought? And I know some of you are already doing the math in your head. You're like, wait a minute. I don't recall there being 60 episodes, especially since there's only 52 weeks in a year. We say 60 because we did 45 episodes on the main feed, but then we did the bonus episodes for the Stitcher premium people. Remember, right? Absolutely. So that's 60 by my count, by my stupid math. And um, that's a lot, actually. (laughs) Now that I'm thinking about it. (laughs) This is going to be fun though. Um, As we said last week, we're not doing movies this week um we didn't give you a double feature to watch before this episode and honestly we're just gonna like shoot the shit a little bit about our past year and and uh we're gonna play some clips from um you know some of our favorite episodes and episodes that we got lots and lots of feedback on it was really fun to go through old episodes especially the first couple oh yeah man we we sounded a lot different
1: we had so much energy (laughs)
0: Who were those those young ladies? Well, maybe that's like a good way to start out then, because I have to remind myself that when we started the first episode dropped the week after the election on the 10th of November, I think. Yes. And um I just remember it was that moment where I was like, this is either going to be like the best or the worst time. I think ev- the world was waiting, right? <laughs> oh, we were
1: like on hooks for so many reasons at that point. Yeah. And one of them was like this podcast. And I remember thinking to myself, this is a very strange thing to feel like if the world ends, should we release a podcast? Like it was just yeah. a really weird L.A. moment where I'm like, why am I worried about my podcast? The world is going to totally turn to shit. <laughs> If this election doesn't go the way I hope it goes, but I am worried because I love our podcast.
0: I do, too. And I think that that's kind of what. Well, first of all, I should ask you, had you ever you've never done a podcast before yourself? You've been a guest, right? Yeah,
1: I've been a guest, but I've never produced one or, or been you know a host of one myself now.
0: Yeah, I um I've done podcasts before, but I've never not, nothing like this. Nothing that's tied to film. Um, and I, you know, I had done radio like in my twenties. So a lot of it was feeling that feeling of like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of back on the radio again because I'm like, you know, doing the whole thing where I'm sitting in front of a microphone and coming on every week and it feels like I'm doing a radio show. Yeah. But it also felt kind of, um, I don't know, sort of more personal because it I think a lot of people picked up on the fact that it felt like we were having a conversation with each other. Yeah. And that, Is what it really felt like. It felt like you and I were just kind of like having a a girl's hang every week on Zoom. Absolutely. Which which was
1: so welcome after not being able to see you, even when we were in the same city, we couldn't hang out the way we used to hang out.
0: Oh, totally. Um,
1: So I think that it just kind of came naturally to us to just kind of cut up a little bit. And it was like the only way we could hang out. (laughs) So we just hung out the way we would normally hang out.
0: Yeah, because it so we did the pilot in person. But then from that point on, we've both been remote. And so you're right. It did feel like we were kind of, you know, it was just like a fun way to check in with each other each week. Yeah. And I mean, we talked and texted in between, but it felt like, oh, cool. Like, this is our weekly hangout session, which I think is super fun. And I mean, what what are your thoughts about the first year? Like, just generally, how how do you feel after 60 episodes
1: I've loved it. I've absolutely loved it. I think I I'm, I'm still so honored that you chose me to do this podcast with you because you know, I don't I'm I'm just a goofball and I don't have um any kind of expertise when it comes to film. <laughs> so I'm just really I just feel like we're doing something very cool and interesting and to be, you know, two women of color who are doing this in a field uh, that is just riddled with whiteness um makes me feel like very good about being able to put something out in the world at this time in general but especially this and um it's kind of fun because i never i've I've always thought of myself as someone who watches a lot of movies i have never watched more movies in my life than i've watched in the last year
0: yeah (laughs) me too
1: And I love it, but I'm also like, damn. There are some weeks where I'm just like, damn, <laughs> like another one. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I can't even I can't even say that. Like, I feel like even the weeks where it feels like, you know, I'm tired and I've got a lot of work. I always still look forward to watching the movies and talking about them. So it's I don't know. I just feel like we we really created something special i'm glad that other people can see it and hear it when we talk but for me and you i think it's really just kind of a a very cool and special thing that we that we're doing as friends
0: yeah and i mean first of all i just have to say i i didn't feel like i chose you or something i felt like we were just kind of destined to do it sort of thing (laughs) um it felt like a sort of natural progression from the stuff that we'd been doing already in la
1: yeah
0: because when it comes down to it, I think for me personally, like I, I think I, I was feeling a little lonely in LA, to be honest. And I, yeah. I used to go to the movies to like alleviate some of that. And I I went to a lot of movies by myself normally. And so you were one of the only people that I would consistently go to the movies with. Yeah. Um, and I felt like when we got the opportunity to, to do this, like it wasn't as if I was like thinking, oh, like let me start trying people out like this is the bachelor or something you know what I mean I was like no I think it has to be Danielle it doesn't make any sense for it to be anybody else because you're the person that I would watch and talk movies with so um it felt like very organically you all the time so I'll just say that that's really sweet thank you oh of course and on top of that I think that you know more about movies than you think (laughs) you know and I know that that's Uh, The situation between the two of us being like, you know, the whole show is sort of hinged on this idea that, you know, I work in film and history and archiving and um, programming and you're a writer, but you know a lot about movies. And there are times where you come to this podcast and you bring a lot of stuff that I have not watched because that's that's the plain truth about just being a film person is that you can't do everything. Yeah. Unless you're a critic that has to literally write about movies every single day for their job, a lot of times, you know, you're going to have gaps in knowledge and there's going to be things that you don't know about. And I'm certainly guilty of that, especially when it comes to newer movies. Yeah. And you have made me watch a lot of newer films. And I definitely have been schooled and educated by you. So
1: It goes the same way. Thank you so much for saying that. But I feel the same exact way. And that's something that's that's always been a tenant of our friendship. And one of the reasons that I I knew this show would be fun, because for as long as we've been friends, you've never talked about movies in a way that felt alienating or off-putting. And you always made them fun and interesting and like opened my eyes to stuff that I'd never seen before. And it just comes really naturally for you to do that in a way that's very inclusive. Um, and so I was like, oh, this is going to be so much fun to talk to Billy about movies because like you'll see anything, you'll talk about anything. And I just love it. And I love that we're talking about older movies. So there's no pressure for us to, you know, keep up with the Joneses or, oh, yeah. you know, talk about newer stuff. Um But I just knew that this was going to be great because of your approach to your own career and life and the way that you like to watch films. Um, So I just thought that this was just like you said, destined, (laughs) destined for both of us. Like I said, I just really I missed that time in L.A., uh, you know, of our friendship where we both lived in the same city. We would go to the New Beverly, grab dinner at El Coyote. Like I lived right near the New Beverly. We both did. Actually, we didn't. We, yeah. we Neither one of us lived that far away from it. Um, and it was just kind of nice to like meet at the Arclight or meet at the New Bev and just kind of know that somebody was there to keep me company because I was also very lonely in, in LA. Like the, my, my four years there um, are nothing to write home about at all. And I, I, I was mostly there for my career, but I didn't realize that my personal life was going to suffer that much. And um, I was just really lonely a lot of the time. So I think that we both took solace in movies in the same way. And it was nice to be able to call someone and just be like, let's go see this at seven o'clock on Wednesday. And you were like, great.
0: (laughs) Well, and I'll I'll also tell, I'll also say that part of, I think the reason why I wanted to do a podcast like this, because, you know, I think I've said in early episodes that I've been on podcasts that are very deep divey, very sort of um, inside baseball type of stuff. And I'm proud that I can hang with that type of thing, like a really hardcore cinephile Mm -hmm. type of, um, podcast. But for me, I think doing this podcast was a a lot about the fact that a lot of my friends actually don't really like movies very much. (laughs) Right, (laughs) Like my family, especially, I think we know this, but also (laughs) a lot of my friends and a lot of my friends in LA were not really into movies. Weirdly enough, I had a lot of coworkers and a lot of like, um, kind of work acquaintances and yeah. um, you know, um, that kind of stuff. Like people that I had networked with, of course, big movie fans, but are they the type of people to come with me to the movies? Not really. A lot of a lot of times it was me going alone and then just kind of seeing people here and there, but not really like having a night of it, like you said, right. with the dinner and the hang afterwards and the smoking of cigarettes, you know, like outside of the theater, like (laughs) talking about the movie. But here's the other thing too. I have certain friends that of course I are total movie fans, but a lot of times they are very specific about what they want to watch. Right. Right. Um, my friend David, who I've known, he was my roommate when we were in our twenties. I mean, he and I went to the new Beverly all the time and we, we typically saw the same type of movies, usually like an eighties movie or like a horror movie. But with you, it felt like, oh, I could watch literally anything. We we're going to watch fucking Smokey and the Bandit or we're going to watch the new John Wick or we're going to go watch Ad Astra. Like we were kind of like all over the map, which I think is great it's like a great quality to to have in a movie friend, you know, Aww,
1: I agree. I agree. And it's uh, yeah, this it's just been lovely to kind of have this be an extension of that for both of us. Um, and I also think that it's it's. You know, something that I would be remiss if I didn't mention is that there's nothing that makes me happier than people finally figuring out how great you are um, and that this is a a, a portal <laughs> that pe- I can just say, listen to Millie. She's great. Um, it makes me so happy every time somebody writes in and is like you're hilarious, like Millie's the best, um, because I agree with them. And I think you're just the greatest and deserve way more of a platform than I'm able to give you <laughs> or than anyone oh, is able actually. to give you so far. Um, but I really think that you're you're the kind of person that I want to see more of in the world. And um, it just makes me happy that we now have a way for you to to start putting some of yourself out there because you you deserve it.
0: Well, thank you. That means the world to me that you said that because it's uh, it's indicative of the kind of good friend that you are that you would care about my happiness it's so (laughs) so wonderful I know that sounds weird but it is you know like uh, there's a lot of selfish people in this world I think I ran into a a lot of them and so it's very it's very nice to hear when people actually do care about you and want you to shine because i feel the same way about you oh i know it in fact i think the the early episodes were like me trying to fucking interview you all the time because i was like i want everybody to know about your amazing life i was talking about this with my sister the other day i was like Danielle has done shit and has had experiences that I can only dream of having. I, I wish I had the <laughs> balls that you had to do a lot of the stuff that you've done. And so I just sort of am. I, I just want you to sit around a fire and just like tell me all of the things that you've done, like fighting bears and, fucking, you know, doing, doing doing all kinds of stuff. So I'm I, I think our early episodes, our early bonus episodes especially was a lot of me um, interviewing you. <laughs> Hope, hope that was okay.
1: <laughs> it was great. It was great. I love talking to you about any and everything. And there's also like we just something that I appreciate so much. And I appreciate you saying that so much. Truly like I, I, I feel that from you. Like you are an incredible friend and I feel that from you all the time. Um, but I also just really love how much we laugh. Like we can get super stupid and <laughs> we can just get so funny in a way that i think most people i don't have that with anymore or i don't or i never had that with um but it feels like like a like a slumber party when you're all hopped up on jolt cola and like every episode to me feels like that like we're just like we're going to to 11 every episode like when when i laugh i laugh so hard and i laugh so truly with you and it's just one of my favorite things
0: well and that's Listen, this is my my little secret that I've been carrying with me for 60 fucking episodes, <laughs> which is that my one true mission for every episode was to make you laugh at least like once. <laughs> mission <laughs> fucking accomplished. And I'm not talking the like ha hey, ha hey, laugh. I'm like, I want the fucking ha ha Wah, laugh. I need like the second part of it. Like, I need you to like do the big laugh take a big breath, and then do the second part of the laugh, that's when I'm like, yes, I've succeeded.
1: I feel the same fucking way. And I (laughs) I can pinpoint even the episodes where I'm like, that was a good one because I got Millie to laugh so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I feel the same fucking way.
0: And listen, maybe that is not... The best <laughs> requirement for a podcast, but honestly, that's all it's about for us. We're <laughs> just trying to make each other laugh. We're gonna play a bunch of clips from some old episodes that um we dug out of the vault, Ooh. and uh this was a fucking pleasure, by the way, was to like listen to these old episodes and like find these like little moments, um, totally, because I think they're. They're kind of the best examples of what the podcast is, especially if you haven't listened to us. Like, I don't know if this is the first time you're hearing the podcast. Some of you maybe that is the case, but maybe this is indicative of what you can experience if you go back <laughs> and listen to the fucking 60 episodes we've done or 59 episodes we've done. Um so there was an episode that we did. I think it was episode 5. Uh and it was Called Nine American Hours, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> already the title makes me laugh because it's like this inside joke <laughs>
1: about the guy from Mommy Dead and Dearest. Yes. And <laughs> about Nicholas Godijan, who <laughs> masturbated in a McDonald's for nine American Hours once.
0: And I just like every time I see that's another part, too, where I see the episode names. Oh, yeah. I know exactly like what the joke was. It it really makes me laugh. (laughs) But that one in particular, because that's been a longstanding one, a longstanding joke.
1: Completely since pre-pod, since pre-podcast. But this clip from that episode, because that episode wasn't surprisingly wasn't about, um, you know, true crime or or that particular murder. Um, It was about dance academies. (laughs)
0: Yes, this clip honestly makes me laugh so hard because we were talking about the the infamous dance deans. So like there's always like, you know, a person that heads up a dance conservatory and they're very they're just the hardest ass fucking person. And you talked about a certain kind of sweater, (laughs) a J. Jill sweater. Look, don't mess
1: with a J. Jill sweater, according to this clip.
0: This is another trope that I love about dance films is the like hoity toity dance dean, you know, mm-hmm. like just the head of the school. That's a real priss wearing a lot of like shawls and wraps and shit. And she's just sort of like, mm-hmm, well, you must perform at the top level at this school. You will not work harder than you've ever worked before because we require that from our students fame has one of those too i didn't mention it but she drives
1: a girl to near suicide
0: (laughs) (laughs) right it's like these hard ass lithe white women who are basically (laughs) like i will fuck you up because it's tradition i will
1: roll up the sleeves of this j jill sweater and fucking (laughs) knock you out
0: exactly (laughs) (laughs) I it, When you said Jay Jill, it reminded me of the J. Jill in my parents town. Um, and it was exactly it was just like the most perfect reference to make.
1: <laughs> it just it came out in a flash and I was like, yeah, that feels right. It feels right. <laughs> Almost the way I think I felt the same way when when you spoke about the actors in our next clip which is from episode 11 uh freddie v krueger which again title cracks me up <laughs> title alone because <laughs> there's also nothing funnier to me than when one of us stumbles and the other one's like we're leaving that in <laughs> like, we're not cutting that. <laughs> so you mistakenly said freddie v krueger and i was like staying in
0: <laughs> i don't know why Freddie the Kruger, yeah. Oh Lord.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. And it was just perfect. It was on the heels of like, it was around the same time as Megan the Stallion was doing her thing and, and exactly. Just so good. Um, but this episode had the theme of From Beneath You It Devours. And out of that theme, where we watched the movies Chud and Graveyard Shift, you you had a revelation so beautiful that I <laughs> had to take a moment to really like tee up my laughter because who knew that there was a lineage of rat actors.
0: And listen, I don't know where they found all these rat actors to be in this movie because they look like they're acting in a menacing way. Oh, completely.
1: There's that one. I was like, hmm, I wanted to ask you, like, which which rat are you? Are you the rat that, like, casually is into the bloodied up cotton ball just eating that? Or are you, like, the (laughs) chomping on a cigarette rat? Like, these rats are trained to do some stuff I've never seen.
0: (laughs) I swear to God, they should have all been nominated for, like, some kind of Screen Actors Guild (laughs) Award because they were, like, the part at the beginning where they're, like, lined up on the top of that wall i was like damn oh, no. these are good acting ass rats man they had like facial expressions it was wild. <laughs> they looked mean like one of them but the weirdest thing is that one of them looked okay like he was chill but then the next one would look super fucking mean and i'm like how does that work out like oh no and they are fucking professionals i feel it i feel it i want to
1: know who trained you who trained you <laughs> was it pizza rat and- is it like a lineage what's going on here <laughs> like the guy in suits is like- his dad was in
0: graveyard shift and your dad was in graveyard shift but you're a pizza rat <laughs> they're like the great like the barrymores the houston's you know it's like this lineage oh, of God. rat actors right <laughs> <laughs>
1: The Pope, the
0: Vatican, the Gettys, the Rothschilds. <laughs> I <know. laughs> oh, Totally. That's, that's who I thought of when I was like, oh, I'm doing like Mike Myers's dad in So I Married an ex Murder." <laughs> I was truly wowed by these fucking rats. Like, that's the thing is that that seems like, listen, I'm not a professional comic. Neither is Danielle. When we're like making an observation that seems like it's a stand-up bit. No, that's not a stand-up bit. I don't no. I don't ever want to do stand-up in my life. That's me legitimately freaking the fuck out about these rats <laughs> being good acting. Rats. Like I'm like <laughs> watching this movie going. These rats are making facial expressions that I have never seen <laughs> in, in any animal
1: just off the cuff that is off the cuff observational humor
0: (laughs) these rats blew your mind they would truly and like it's so funny because what sometimes when you listen to the episodes like you can feel the fucking passion (laughs) in our voices and i feel like that was one of one of the times where i was like i'm literally flipping the fuck out about this
1: oh it was so good that whole episode is so fucking funny that's a
0: good episode Well, listen, for this, like, next episode that we pulled a clip from. So we did this episode about the director, Steve McQueen, Uh. and um, it was during Black History Month. So it was in February and we picked two of his films. And one of I think actually the second film was probably the most recent film that we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah. Um, But the first one, the one that you picked is. Shame from 2011. (laughs) And this was a moment where I remember going, oh my God, I got to watch shame again. And I, it was shook. To the fucking core, when I saw it the first time.
1: The text messages that week were like, "Really, you're really (laughs) gonna make me do
0: this (laughs) in my parents' house?" That's what I was like. I was living at my mom and dad's house, and I was like, "You're making me watch Shame in my parents' house."
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am framing those texts for sure. I want them hanging up in my house. It was it was making me laugh so hard every time I got a text. You're like, "Yep,
0: there he is. His dicks out in my parents' house." But there's a part in the movie that I just could not get over, which is this, this, the concept of how Michael Fassbender lives in the apartment that he lives in. It's to me kind of like the wildest way to live. And like, if you're going to live in a high rise building in the middle of a city, this is your fate. This is what's going to happen to you. Right. The one thing that I did notice about uh, this tendency of him walking around naked in his is that he lives in one of those apartments with no window coverings on in a high rise, which I call sexy living where you're like, in a city and you don't have like shades or drapes or anything and you're just kind of like I'm so hot and successful I'm walking around naked living my life with no fucking privacy I want you to see it and I'm completely. just like completely it's such Rich an, guys it's such
1: an exhibitionist approach to life that I do not have I'm the exact opposite I'm like give me those like thick victorian drapes <laughs> yes I want to put drapes over every reflective surface, like get them on the microwave. I want drapes on my oven. I mean, look, the Victorian drapes are
0: just, they got to go. And I remember we were, I think I was watching the Queen a lot during this era so (laughs) i knew exactly what you were fucking talking about when you were talking about the victorian drapes i was like oh yes bitch like those heavy (gasps) ass queen elizabeth drapes oh yeah because you're watching the crown oh the crown did i say the queen (laughs) jesus i I screwed that up again ah it's
1: staying in because you used to text that too you're like i'm watching the queen and i'm like queen what you're like the crown bitch damn
0: (laughs) oh yeah of course we're keeping it in because i literally cannot get that right (laughs) to save my life but yes the crown the crown about queen elizabeth uh (laughs) that was all the rage back then so you can tell those drapes meant business oh those drapes
1: a victorian drape is a is a business drape but i I have to to say that this next clip um continues the trend of having you watch weird uncomfortable movies with your mom (laughs) (laughs) and it comes from episode 25 which is titled a gangle jangle dance and the theme is (laughs) (laughs) the theme was i wish you were never born And the movie I picked, you picked Whatever Happened to Baby Jane from 1962, and yeah. I picked Hereditary from 2018, which you had Oof. both never seen and had had to watch with your mother the first time.
0: <laughs> Let me just tell you right now, your movie is a first watch for me. Um, <gasps> I I will be quite honest with you. I don't dip into modern horror often. Mhm. Okay. And like you told me when I made you watch The Way We Were and you were like I'm never going to forgive you for this. I might never forgive you for making me watch your movie. I mean it, it like I I might hold that in for the rest of my days.
1: I'll I'll take it. I I will hold that with you as your friend i will not let you walk that road alone (laughs) you can level that at me i am okay with it and you watched this with your mom i did
0: (laughs) 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 oh my god honestly dude this will always haunt me this (laughs) this viewing will always haunt me um, we've to- we've referenced it several times since, and I will never do that again. I will never go up to my mom and be like, Hey, you want to watch this movie? Danielle Henderson picked for our podcast.
1: <laughs> Many lessons were learned that day, but that was probably the biggest. Yeah. If Danielle has picked a movie, I will watch it alone in my room before I drag my, my poor sweet mother into this. <laughs> So she can watch children getting beheaded and naked people (laughs) covering themselves in blood.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh, dear Lord. I mean, thank you. But also, why? Why
1: have you done this? Look, there's nothing I won't do for this podcast, including putting you in a very uncomfortable situation with your mom.
0: (laughs) You are your Fucking grandma's granddaughter. Oh, I am. And we we have brought her
1: up on the show a lot. Uh, on our first episode, we played a clip from my grandmother talking about horror films uh, where yep. she encourages people to grab a knife and cut someone's throat first, ask questions later. Um, but we bring up grandmas <laughs> a lot on this show, starting with mine, of course. Um, yes. And I feel like this next clip is it's a great description that fully explains Exactly how weird and fun it was to grow up with my grandma. The number one thing that will never leave my mind from this movie is when, and this is how I also learned how flies eat, because there is a whole couple of scenes where he pukes this like white liquid out of his mouth onto the food he wants to consume. As he turns more and more into a fly and has to eat it that way, because flies can't consume like solids. Let me tell you that my brother and I recreated that scene with milk for like <laughs> two weeks after we saw it. And my grandma got mad. My grandma got mad at us. Oh, because we were traumatized and recreating a horrible scene? No, because we were wasting milk.
0: <laughs> of course. Oh my God. It's so, so fucking funny forget
1: your trauma just don't waste the milk
0: (laughs) (laughs) look i think that is a generational thing i think like maybe moms these days are like yeah go ahead i bought you three gallons of milk for you to simply waste with your brother (laughs) on impressions from science fiction movies but back in the fucking day like people of a certain age you wouldn't want to do that around them even if they were in the other room (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, don't waste a drop of anything anywhere in the 10-mile vicinity of an elder <laughs> or else you're getting the business end of that boot.
0: Well, speaking of grandmas, okay. So, during the summer, we decided to do a theme that was all about volcano movies. Basically, it was called The Flora's Lava. <laughs> it was episode 34, and this episode is one that I hear about so often from so many people for, for both the movies that we picked, not just the ridiculousness that was Dante's peak, but also people who had revisited Joe versus the volcano and were like, Oh my God, this was something from my childhood. I don't know. For some reason we thought it was going to be this like fun joke, but it, then it just became this like episode where people just kept bringing it up. Yeah. So um, there was a a, a moment in Dante's peak where the grandmother in the film is really going for broke. And I mean, this is maybe our favorite on screen grandma of all time. Suddenly, the boat motor gets eaten, okay, by the acid. <laughs> And the boat's just sitting in the river and they're like yards from the dock and they can see it. They're almost there. And in a truly stunning fucking moment, the grandma jumps in the fucking lake and pulls the boat to safety. And I, can't. I screamed. I screamed when this was happening especially because the whole time
1: she's been so obstinate and she's the reason that they're in taking a metal boat across an acid lake. So I'm like, yeah, jump in that fucking water and save your family. You're the reason they're here. You asshole.
0: And let me just tell you, she (laughs) is, she is sizzling when they pull her out. Okay. Like I legit screamed. She is sizzling. Okay. (laughs)
1: When you said when you said, those legs were sizzling
0: <laughs> I,
1: I still lose my mind laughing every time <laughs> you talk about this woman walking across this acid lake <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay i don't I, I don't want to pin down our exact sense of humor, but I think that we love like. A huge, epic grandma or grandpa scene in a movie. Absolutely. Like when something (laughs) happens with the grandma and grandpa, when they like, you know, do an act of self-sacrifice that's so gnarly that it's almost like impossible to watch. Um, Or when they just do something fucking insane. Oh, yeah. And grandpas are not
1: exempt from our love of the elderly, as this as this next clip will indicate.
0: It's a fun movie completely that has the worst ending ever (laughs) and like and the worst vampire turns ever the worst vampire turns no one speaks about the fact that they fucking trashed this grandpa's house like the entire (laughs) house has been decimated by the time this This film is
1: over this is a man who does not want you to take a single root beer off of his shelf in the fridge but he's gonna drive his own truck through his house at the end of it
0: i i have to tell you danielle like there are moments where like i went back and listened to this episode multiple times just to hear you talk about the grandpa coming through the house like i (laughs) Like just that simple observation of, oh yeah, he's not let anybody touch his root beer, but he has no problem driving through his own house. Was <laughs> it cracks me up to this day? Like I st- when I think about it, I just start laughing. So
1: I listened to that episode multiple times because of how hard you laughed. It makes me laugh so hard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you could you started
1: laughing in that episode so hard when I start talking about Lost Boys. Yeah, and. It really, it really brightens my day, even still.
0: Yeah, that Lost Boys episode was so fucking fun to record because I think that both of us didn't think that we had had that much pash behind what we were saying. Like when we started the episode, it was that kind of thing where like we started it one way and then it came out in a completely different way. We had so much to say, so much laughter.
1: I was shocked, shocked at how much I had to say about the Lost Boys.
0: Here's here's the thing. So I don't even know how this got started, but it kind of became the thing that maybe people know us for, I would say, because we got a lot of feedback from this episode. Yeah. We decided to do a fucking March Madness bracket about it. Why don't you explain to the people the concept or the idea behind, is it good or was I horny?
1: So this came up because Millie has never seen the film Titanic. (laughs) She's actually not seen most of the teen DiCaprio oeuvre. Yes. (laughs) She's not a Romeo plus Juliet. She is not a Titanic. (laughs) And people could not understand how she had missed these as a film expert. And part of the discussion revolved around... The question you 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 questioned you posited it to us: Is Titanic good, or was everyone just horny for DiCaprio? Right. And I said, I, "That's a great question. Is it good, or was I horny?"
0: Yes, you were saying it's like a it's like a mantra
1: to live by. Completely, it is. It is a mantra. It you can you can pay your bills to it. You can buy books <laughs> to it. You can rent movies to it. Is it good, or was I horny? Is Possibly the only question you should be asking yourself when you're making any decision.
0: Exactly. And honestly, like, we did the bracket. It was a a pretty big success for us. Like, we didn't expect, like, 10 people to fucking vote in it. And then it ended up being this huge deal for us and for um, our staff at the time was we were trying (laughs) so hard to, like tally everybody's votes because there was like a fucking battle every day you know how a bracket works like there's a there's a battle between films every day and there was people like voting and then like in the comments talking about you know the the thing that they had picked and you know all the upsets from the day before and it was just like it was like sports it was like sports <laughs> it was a- actual sports
1: <laughs> it was truly a bracket in a sports mindset and one thing that we didn't realize is that is it good or was I horny is a great thematic way to live your life. It's a great question to ask yourself. It is ultimately the most confusing question you could ever ask for a bracket.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) People did not know how to vote at all. They're like, am I voting for good or am I voting for horny? And we're like both. Yes. And after a while we just tapped out. We're like, vote for whatever you think is best. (laughs) We are tapping out. of explaining this again.
0: (laughs) Yes. Go with God, people. We don't know. And, Then we had to record the episode where we talked about the films that we had picked for this question. Oh yeah. And honestly, I love that you picked leaving the cube because you had already gone on record talking about your Christian Slater, uh, obsession from your teenage years. And I, I love this clip of you from that episode, trying to figure out what gleaming the cube actually meant.
1: Here are the moments where, not knowing what it meant, I thought, okay, when does Brian gleam the cube in this movie? And I need you to help help me vote on this. There are a few choices.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Is he gleaming the cube when he holds on to the back of a city bus? Is he gleaming the cube when he holds on to the back of a van? Is he gleaming the cube when he holds on to the back of a Corvette on the freeway? <laughs> is he gleaming the cube when he skates through a plate glass window in an attempt to thwart a criminal? Or is he gleaming the cube when he skates the gun out of the villain's hand to save the day? Where's he gleaming this cube, bro? Where's he gleaming it? Oh, to this day, I don't know. I have no I see I will go you know how some people go to their grave and they're like I saw the light and I saw my family and every beautiful moment of my life pass before my eyes when I die I'm gonna see that stunt double in the bad wig spinning around and I'm gonna be saying is that gleaming the cube and someone's gonna tap my shoulder and say good night grandma and I'm gonna die <laughs> <laughs> still don't know what gleaming the cube
0: means <laughs> It's a it's an enigma that will haunt us for the rest of eternity.
1: But you know what? Speaking of hauntings, (laughs) this episode, or is it good or was I horny? Episode number 16. Your pick for this theme was (laughs) Memphis Bell, And as a result, I got to learn one of my all time favorite facts about you.
0: Yeah, it was that moment where I was like, God, I was I was one of those girls. I was like one of those girls that like lusted after like not just like an older guy, but like from another fucking era, from like a different time.
1: Right? It's like it's like having a crush on a ghost when you're that age, and you're like, (laughs) I have a crush on Eric Stoltz in 1944. (laughs) Like you might as well be like, I have a crush on a ghost I met once on vacation in Virginia
0: oh my god (laughs) i am that girl let's just get serious loves a world war ii ghost (laughs) just when i think that i'm cool i remember the fact that i love a ghost from the second world war
1: I also love that in that episode you were talking about how how your dad was so excited that you wanted to rent Memphis Belle all the time cuz like you could you could actually have like something in common. And you're like, "Dad, that is not why I'm watching this movie for the 19th time.
0: My dad, a Air Force veteran, lifelong Air Force veteran, he's like, "Yes, my daughter, finally is into historical films and i'm like no dad sorry uh-uh. i hate <laughs> to bring not, it to you dad <laughs> not what you think
1: i'm in love with it with a ghost
0: <laughs> love that brule cream and this
1: is it truly was wonderful too that as as a result of that episode somebody snitch tagged db sweeney on twitter <laughs> and he emailed us
0: look i'm not gonna say that was like in the top three moments of this podcast <laughs> but it might be the top moment who knows I. Could not believe that he sent us a message. Like I, I was like, surely this is a fucking joke. Yeah. Um, I, I know that we spent like almost an entire afternoon trying to figure out if we were being pranked. Like, oh yeah, we had everybody on our staff trying to figure it out. We were like, <laughs> all right, let's go to the Twitter. Is it verified? Is it the same email address as he wrote from this? You know, we were like trying to fucking figure it out, and he legit wrote us. And was
1: very nice. Was very and 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 might I say flirted with Millie in a very kind way.
0: Oh my God. He knows what he got. That's the thing. DB was like, yo, I'm gonna break this lonely ass (laughs) bitch off with a little something, make her feel a little nice. And for that, I thank you, sir. (laughs) For that, I thank
1: you. Your teen self could never have envisioned. First of all, your teen self had no idea what a podcast was gonna be. Yes. But also had no idea. That it would lead you to communicating with your biggest crush.
0: <laughs> oh, this is a podcast that makes dreams come true.
1: Slater, Slater wasn't that cool. Slater wasn't writing in. Nobody snitch tagged <laughs> on Slater.
0: Hey, listen, never say never. It can happen at any time. And here's, the, here's another thing, too, that I think people really wrote in about was when we did the Black History Month and we talked about Bill Gunn. The episode about Bill Gunn, it was episode 12. The title of the episode was called Mid-Century Modern Shitbox, but it had (laughs) nothing to do with Bill Gunn. That had more to do with Daniel's cat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And trust me, we really went back and forth about, should we have a title that says the word shitbox in it during Black History Month? (laughs) But look, I gotta be me. I gotta be me. (laughs) Exactly. And my black ass bought my cat a mid-century modern shitbox and I needed to tell the world about it.
0: Well, and honestly, like this episode, this episode really resonated with people and I and I just love it because of everything you talked about. Right. I thank you so much.
1: Like it really this was a special moment for me because I didn't know, you know, how to have this conversation and. I just I just didn't realize what what I was kind of holding on to mm-hmm. um, when I talked about how I relate to culture. And it's just another example of, you know, how this podcast has helped me to have a conversation about my own marginalization and my own connection to my culture. So I grew up in a predominantly white town. And when I say predominantly, I mean, I could count the people of color in my town growing up on one and a half hands and I was related to four of them so I grew up in a household that insisted on my blackness in a town that wanted me to deny it and that was a really hard place to come from and what I've discovered eventually is that I was out of touch with my own blackness for most of my life and I felt like I didn't have a right to it because I didn't grow up in the monolithic way that most people tend to think of blackness in this country. And it took me longer than I'd like to admit, but also longer than it should have um, for me to feel comfortable being who I am and also claiming blackness, which isn't to say that I've ever denied it, but just to publicly claim blackness is an act in America that a lot of us have to do quite intentionally. And, you know, the the history of light skin blackness and passing and, you know, I'm not someone who can pass, but I definitely understand the history of colorism and advocating for people with darker skin because... People with lighter skin do get more of a pass sometimes. Doesn't mean they're passing, but it means they get more of a cultural pass. You know, like we get opportunities sometimes. Or the way that we're perceived is as if we're different from people who have different shades of skin than us. So just making the effort to do that in my life and to be intentional about my Blackness is, it's something I'm still learning, I guess. And again, it's like almost embarrassing to admit that um, or to say that, but I think that's why this stuff matters to me so much is because I don't get very many chances to like explore what Blackness means to me in art.
0: Yeah, that was a, uh, this is a great, a great moment Aww. to just hear you speak so honestly about yourself and your experiences and, and how that pertains to an artist like bill gunn and just the idea of doing uh, a black history month episode that you know just made you sort of really i don't know just get in touch with something that i don't know if we set out to do something like that initially but then when it happened i was like this is so wonderful
1: I agree. Like we didn't set out to do anything. We just set out to have the conversation. And I just love that we're comfortable enough with each other. And that, you know, we're just we have a good uh, our friendship is built on a foundation of trust and understanding. And it felt like I was just talking to my friend in that moment. So when we did get emails in, I was like, oh, yeah, that that did go out to other people. Um, But I'm just grateful that I was able to to talk to my friend about that. So thank you for being always so open to having those conversations and real and really hearing me and supporting me. It means it means a lot.
0: Yeah, well, that's what we want. And we want you to be able to share your experiences with us. And, you know, I think a lot of people really loved that it went there. And I think a lot of people, you know, as much as we have a lot of fun and we we talk about, you know, shit boxes and gleaming the cubes and whatever i mean i think that when we when we do have the more serious discussions i think people really enjoy that as well and um you know we did this episode it was um episode 27 and um it was uh, the episode about it was called it was a secret and it was about sort of male friendships Mm. um and groups of of male friends and we did um stand by me and deliverance and when we talked a little bit about Deliverance, I think it kind of went in this direction that was really, I don't know, to me, it was, um, it was something that I was really proud of after it came out, because I think we kind of leaned into this moment in the film where it was very serious, but then how the culture sort of had the wrong attitude towards it.
1: This is my first time watching this film, but I have heard the cultural references from this film for most of my life. I mean, it's, I've heard the squeal like a pig. I've heard you got a real pretty mouth, all of that. I cannot believe people were able to make jokes about this scene. Yeah. Like it is truly awful. Yeah. And I, I, was, I was just shocked. I was shocked by what I was seeing. I was shocked by the scene itself. But then thinking about like how I've heard of it all these years, I'm like how are people able to joke? That just shows you where how far we've come as a culture, maybe, um, or how far we had to co- how far we had to go. Um, but I couldn't believe that the way that i I've, I've heard of this film was in such a comical context when what's happening is terrible.
0: I will get into that in just a second because I do think that there is this weird disconnect between what this movie is actually and what the culture kind of made it. Yeah. Yeah. There, I think that's very common because I myself had heard all of the jokes before I saw the movie. I mean, honestly, like who hasn't made that joke while they were like in the middle of the woods somewhere and they they were mm-hmm. kind of they felt something ominous happen and they they made the banjo notes or whatever. Um, everyone has these references from this film. But then you when you watch it, you're like, holy shit, really? Like, God, yeah. that is so... So not what I expected. And yeah, it's way more hardcore than anybody had ever set me up for, you know? And it also,
1: what's strange too, is that um, I think it takes away from, this is a very powerful movie. Yes. It's a very powerful movie. And I think that to joke about it in that way, not only takes away the agency of men who experience sexual violence, but which again, thankfully, culturally, we're starting to talk about. But I think it also just puts... It puts the 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 strain and the real hardship that these guys are going through in the film. Um, it takes away all of that power from that scene as well. Yeah, I, I loved that whole episode. And the thing that was cool about it, too, is that you were talking about Georgia. You know, you're talking about a place that's your home that you're from. And um, it was really that conversation about deliverance was also couched in a a larger conversation about Georgia and how people tend to stereotype the South. And I just really, again, like you're, you're very brilliant. And I just really loved hearing you talk so passionately and so sincerely about a a place and and a topic that's so meaningful to you.
0: Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, I do, I, I do love when, like, like I said, like, We go in thinking that we're going to do it a certain way and then the conversation turns and turns it into something different. And I I just like those moments where we can have like deep analysis and, you know, sort of rethink a lot of things about movies we watch. I think that's really cool.
1: And that's something that I also really appreciate about you know talking to you every week and picking different movies is that you're very you're really em- emphatic about reminding people that it's a good thing to go back and revisit films yeah. especially if it's something they haven't seen in a very long time and whenever we do that whenever we get a chance to watch something even if it's just you know like evil dead or something like yeah. I, i'm not only transported back to a time and place when i first saw the film but i'm instantly noticing things and picking up on things as an adult that i wouldn't have so I'm kind of glad that I hadn't seen um, Deliverance until we were able to discuss it because I came yeah. to it with a whole different approach.
0: Well, and that's the thing too about certain t- we do recurring themes a-, a lot on this podcast, and I think a favorite recurring theme amongst people that have written in to us and people that we've talked to is the ones um, about changing female friendships, mm. and we've done a couple. This was an early episode. This was episode three. It was called Foot Cigarettes, which I think is so funny. Just the concept of a foot cigarette. But it was two movies that I think people legitimately were overjoyed to watch Me Without You. Like, I think you picking that film, it like kind of got rediscovered by a lot of our listeners because they were like, I hadn't even heard of this film or a lot of people had remembered seeing it, but then like, for some reason, hadn't thought about it in a while. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love these episodes because it gives us a chance to, like, <laughs> really talk about ourselves as teenagers. And I know that we've done it many, many times <laughs> over the course of the 60 episodes we've done. But this one in particular, I love when we talked about our teen years in this episode. Yeah, I liked it,
1: too, because I think it was about us becoming we're talking about who we were becoming in those moments and how other people can impact that moment of development so much. Uh, So, yeah, I loved I just uh, I loved this, loved this episode. And to talk specifically about female friendships, I think it was smart of us retroactively. uh, (laughs) We didn't intend (laughs) it, but I think it was really smart for us to to choose a theme early on that kind of let people know what we were all
0: about yeah i love this episode entirely but this one conversation really cracks me up (laughs) i was a little wild i gotta admit i had some wild wild ass friends but i never i mean i think the only time i ever was in a bat, like a bathroom with somebody like in a shower was when like my friend vomited on herself and i was trying to like help her out but i never took (laughs) like i never took a a full on bath with someone, and I certainly never, like, I certainly never smoked a cigarette from my friend's foot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, not
1: sober, not sober. I've never <laughs> done a foot cigarette sober. Oh god, we're so dumb. I love it. <laughs> well, and
0: listen, to this day, I'm like, am I a bad friend because I've never smoked a cigarette out of someone's foot? <laughs>
1: Look, with the pandemic being what it is, if you ever smoke a cigarette out of anyone's foot, I'm going to have you potentially um, (laughs) court-martialed. Foot cigarettes are over. They died in 2019 with the
0: pandemic. Yes, we are in a post-foot cigarette world, people. Never forget it.
1: But our our teen years were also really um, absurd, as I think (laughs) a clip... is always fun to revisit movies of our youth, and I think this next clip... Very nicely sets up um, how maybe our sense of humors have
0: not deviated so much since then. They gave him a little personality upgrade, like little John Connors teaching him how to talk like a Wayward teen from LA. And at some point, I don't know how this is possible, but he figures out like, how to smirk and like look cool <laughs> before like doing badass action movie shit. Like I'm like, "Wow, that computer is amazing. He goes
1: from. There's genuinely a point where John's crying and he goes, what is wrong with your eyes (laughs) to like smirking and like speaking colloquialisms. This motherfucker is he, he will adapt this model (laughs) might be an old model, but he is adaptable. You can teach an old dog, new tricks. You can program an old (laughs) robot in new ways.
0: By the end of this movie, he's like making, I got to take a vacation jokes. Like he's got bars at the end of this movie. And I'm like, he learned (laughs) a lot. (laughs) I have to say this is literally my favorite thing that you've maybe ever said on this podcast out of all of the like random impressions you've done in the history of, I saw what you did. This is my favorite. And I can't even tell you why other than it cracks me up because we're talking about fucking Terminator two. And the moment that you speak of really makes me laugh. So just you picking up on it and doing your, Arnold Schwarzenegger impression which who knew I had that in my back pocket yes, who knew? <laughs> I was like I feel like he's here with us right now
1: <laughs> she contains multitudes folks she <laughs> contains multitudes well that is I mean look I, I appreciate that and it is <laughs> Actually, very well-timed because our next clip is one of the funniest things I think you've ever said on this podcast. (laughs) Truly (laughs) lost my mind when you said this. Annie, because she's been kind of following him, <laughs> she crowbars him out of the car and drags him back to her house um, with what I'm assuming is just a, a preternatural strength. Because she really drags him around a lot in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, she
0: picks him up and uh, carries him down the stairs. I'm like, hell yeah, my fucking James- my fucking James- gym queen. <laughs> <laughs> james Conn is a
1: stocky guy and she's yeah. like i do not need to do your tiktok weight workouts i'm just
0: gonna throw jimmy Conn around for a yeah. couple of hours i'm gonna deadlift sunny corleone <laughs> <laughs> i <laughs> love when we talked about misery holy shit i literally had the most fun i would had in a long time talking about that movie. It had been a long time since I've seen it. And just <laughs> you talking about Annie having a preternatural strength. <laughs> I can't even talk about it now without laughing.
1: <laughs> she was dragging that man hither and thither <laughs> in that movie. <laughs> I was deeply impressed and deeply freaked out. <laughs> when you said you can't I'll just be throwing Jimmy Khan. I'll be deadlifting Sonny Corleone. She is definitely
0: not doing TikTok workouts. That was so funny.
1: Oh, gosh. I lost it. I lost it. It's just, again, many, many moments where you have said truly hilarious things on this show. But that one, that one <laughs> sent me over the edge.
0: Well, listen, I. I've had so much fun doing this podcast with you as the clips that we've just played have clearly shown. I'm just so thankful for this opportunity. I mean, honestly, so thankful to exactly right for giving us the space to talk about film. And yes, so thankful for literally everybody who's touched the show in the past year. So, I mean, Steven, our first engineer who did the first couple episodes, katie was in there for a while doing a couple episodes lauren taryn alexis our producer who is so wonderful and literally keeps the fucking ship sailing i mean honestly such a godsend and Annalise, who keeps us sounding like magic Uh, like magic honestly they make us sound so good that when we when we still listen to the raw audio, I'd be like, God damn, I sound terrible. And then by the time that it comes out, I'm like, I sound incredible. How do they do that?
1: Bursting into tears when I hear my own voice unfiltered. <laughs> 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 and then Annalise, hours later, is just like, here you go. And I'm like, oh, they're the fucking best,
0: man. Thank you for making us sound like true angels while we say the nastiest shit of all time. <laughs>
1: And I, and also we, apo- I apologize for a long time. I was starting every episode with a burp. <laughs> like <laughs> that was my signal. to start was I would chug some diet Coke and burp and they stayed with us. So thank you. Annalise. <laughs> thank you, Alexis. We are disgusting
0: and we love you. <laughs> we love you all. But yeah, such a great crew we have here. And honestly, thanks to everybody that has supported us. Um, people who have literally stopped me in the fucking street to talk about our podcast with me is so such a wonderful feeling I just love the response that we've gotten because honestly like at the end of the day you know we are two women trying to talk about film in an intelligent and honest way and I feel like uh, as much as it's 2021 and things have changed a lot a lot of things have not. And yeah. I feel like we just do our best to try to be open and inclusive for people to be like w- through the themes, through the the way that we talk about film. We just want people to like, you know, just even if they're not like a huge cinephile, they, they should find some kind of joy in watching movies. And um, I think a lot of people have told us that and it makes us feel really good. So
1: absolutely. Thank you all for listening and for your comments for your emails, for sharing as much of yourselves as, as we share with you. It really is, is touching and a great reminder, especially over the last couple of years. It's a really nice to have this reminder that there are still several things that connect us and that connect our humanity. And um, I just really feel very lucky that this show has been received so kindly um, by so many of you.
0: Yeah. And makes um, some of the rough times of of having deadlines and, um, you know, being really busy with all the jobs that we work and, uh, you know, all of the <laughs> obligations that we have in life. Um, it makes doing this podcast worth it at the end of the day, because it's like a place for us to come together. Uh, we can all consider ourselves this like crew of amazing, esteemed um dirt bags and we can come together and and share um our feelings and our thoughts about film and share our lives and i love it i love it I love it
1: and you know what i love you you're the greatest friend like i've said i just could not imagine doing this with anyone else and you have truly held me together this this year and in many years past um but especially this year and i just feel very inspired um by you i feel just very proud to know you and call you my friend and to be able to to produce works of art with you um is just an incredible feeling so thank you oh
0: thanks girl i feel the same about you and honestly i live to hear that fucking laugh <laughs> it brightens my fucking day and it's like the sole reason <laughs> this podcast is going to go on for another year
1: <laughs> yeah let's let's do another year let's yes. do it join us join us thank you
0: we have a lot of cool shit happening in the next year we're we're planning it out as we speak um there are some bangers in there gotta say <laughs> a couple of bangers at ah, least a couple ah. bangers
1: at least at, at least.
0: least some great movies Here's to another year of watching movies with you guys. And um, hey, if you haven't listened to back episodes, they're available. Um, Danielle, what are the movies for next week?
1: Kicking off a new year of movies with us. We're doing the films Cape Fear from 1962 and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948. And all we ask is that you guess the theme, if you dare. ha!
0: <laughs> I know the theme and i love it i'm just saying
1: (laughs) it's one of my favorites that we came up with for this year (laughs) oh my god
0: i love it so much try to guess it if you dare if you want to email us we're at i saw what you did pod at gmail
1: you can find us on our social media accounts at i saw pod on instagram
0: and twitter And yeah, like and like the bonus episodes, you know, we did 60 episodes in total, 15 bonus. All 15 bonus are available on uh, Stitcher Premium. So check that out and you can get a a free month if you use the promo code saw. And
1: you can support us all year round, support us for another year by buying some merch. And when people stop you in the street to say, hey, what is that? You can tell them it's my favorite podcast. (laughs) Go ahead and head over to the Exactly Right Shop at
0: ExactlyRightMedia.com. Oh yay. Well, here's to another year. And uh we will see you next week. Thanks again for being around and um we love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening everyone. Bye. Bye. Mark 1.
1: This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Alexis Amorosi. Our engineer is Annalise Nelson. Our theme songs by Tom Bryfogle. Artwork by Garrett Ross. Our executive producers are Georgia Hardstark, Karen Kilgareth, and Danielle Kramer. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at I Saw Pod. Email us at I Saw What You Did Pod at Gmail. And please don't forget to listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.